Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of The Stone Table. My name is Travis, and I'm the teaching pastor at Baylife Church. And I'm Mickey, and I am one of the worship arts coordinators at Baylife. And this is the first time we've talked in a couple of weeks. Not yeah. the first time we've talked, but the, the first time we've done a podcast in a couple of weeks. We did that like a few episodes ago, too, where we said... This is the first time we've talked to you a little bit. Yeah. And then we had to correct ourselves the following episode because yeah. we were like, actually, we, we, we talk a lot. We but- <laughs> speak frequently. We just don't put mics in front of our faces and, yes. and do that. Yes. Yeah. So we are back this week with a theology of yeah. episode. We're, we're so far behind right I know, now. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a hectic couple of weeks. Things yes. have been busy. We've yeah. been sick uh, the past couple of weeks. We're just yeah. now getting better and... Um, we were out of town last week. Right. Yeah. We, you had a birthday. I did. I had a birthday. It was so much fun. We actually, so Travis surprised me with a trip to Devil's Den and near Gainesville. So we actually got to go snorkeling in an underground <laughs> spring cave. It was incredible. It was cool. It was terrifying. At it first. was so scary. I thought I made a huge mistake when I actually walked <laughs> into the cave and I said, I don't even want to do this. There's no way she wants to do this. Well, the thing is you see in the pictures, it looks huge. It looks like a really big underground thing and, and you can see people sort of standing up. So you think, okay, there's yeah, a lot of room. It's, it's shallow. It's shallow. Yeah. yeah. Well, we get there and climbing down the stairs to, leading into the cave, it's not as big, like not as wide as it looks like in the pictures, but it is much deeper. Yeah. It's like, what is it? 60, 60 feet, feet deep. And it's deepest. Yes. Yeah. And so we- Which is my phobia. Like deep water yes. is the scariest thing in the whole world to me. Yes. And so we were like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and and we had to rent like flippers and- um. Uh, snorkeling things and they were like well just make sure that you don't stand on the rocks and you're good to go yeah. we were like that's it there's no we training <laughs> there's no like <laughs> there's no lifeguard i've never worn flippers you're not going to tell me how to use yeah. these. <laughs> like, so but it ended up being a really incredible experience um, yeah it was it, awesome it was so much fun it, w- it was awesome so yeah that's where we were last week yeah just living it up and- combination of that and then uh teaching on jesus descending into hell yes and the apostles creed so we descended into the the cave of devil's uh-huh. den and then uh <laughs> And, and yeah, preached on the descent part of the Apostles' Creed. So it was a busy week last week. Yes. We're a little bit behind, but we are catching up now yes. with a Theology Of yes. episode. And yes, today's episode, we are going to be diving into the Theology Of Work. Work. Oh, okay, so before before we kind of jump into <laughs> the deep like, end uh, on that, yeah, no, I hate my job. Why do I? <laughs> why do I want to think about it that way? So, so let's let's maybe address that before we jump into the theology of work. Mm-hmm. What what would you say as far as all of your jobs go? What was mm-hmm. the worst job that you've ever had? I feel like the worst job I probably had was my very first one. I okay. was I was a hostess at a restaurant, and I like to think that I'm more organized now. Um, and I've built a, a stronger work ethic, but when I was 16, mm-hmm. um, it was just crazy. It was just crazy. I mean, if you've ever worked in a restaurant, you know, it gets really hectic, really fast. Sure. And so you've got to stay on top of everything and be super organized. And, and I learned a lot in that job, but man, when I entered the workforce at, yeah. in high school, I was like, Ooh, this is a lot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, without naming restaurants, I'll say that my, uh, <laughs> My my worst job was also working at a at a fast food restaurant, and I worked in the kitchen. And mm. this particular fast food restaurant w- was pretty busy, 
And so uh, working in the kitchen, the thing is the job itself wasn't bad, Mm -hmm. but like my germaphobe tendencies, Mm, like my, and my fear of like not doing something right as far as sanitation kind of kept me from making the food fast enough. So there would be wraparound lines around the building and it was all because I kept washing my hands to make sure (laughs) that that I wasn't cross-contaminating anything. And so it was not great. Not yeah. the best job I've ever had. I've, I've had a few. I've, I've worked at Baylife a long time now. You were the janitor. I was the janitor at <laughs> Baylife. Yeah, I cleaned uh, cleaned the children's building uh, five nights a week for all of college. Mm. And then I was the student ministry intern. Yeah. And uh, I also taught guitar lessons at one point yeah. and uh, worked in fast food. And then with my uncle, used to take care of repossessed homes mm. for the bank. So yeah, I would mow the right. lawns. And yeah, I've. So you've I've gotten your hands jobs. dirty. I have. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't always uh, just been locked in my office reading books and, and <laughs> writing articles. Um, yes. Well, what's the best job you've ever had? Oh, uh, the, the current one. The current yeah, one? Yeah. The current I would, one. Yeah. I would say so too for myself. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like. I mean, honestly, I feel like I have my dream job and I'm really blessed to be able to say that at such a young age. But I mean, I get to play music right all the time, practice music and, you know, disciple students and and just to work with the most amazing people. And I'm I'm really, really blessed to say that my current job is the best job I've ever had. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I would say the same thing. Um, and, and I know that one of the things that people struggle with when we talk about work, and, and this kind of gets us into thinking about it theologically, is that for us, we find we find a lot of meaning and mm-hmm. fulfillment in our work. But I think even if we reflect back on our jobs that we hated, part of what was frustrating is that it felt purposeless. Right. Like we, we would have these pep rallies at the, the food restaurant uh-huh. that I worked at. And it was like, you know, we just, we want to feed these people and we want to serve these people and we want to provide excellence. And I would kind of sit in the back, like the jaded punk rocker and be like, <laughs> who, who cares? This is such a, like, this is such a useless thing to be doing with our time. And we're trying mm. to make it sound like we're changing the world or discovering a cure for some, some, crazy disease and we're just like we're literally just serving hamburgers this, right. is, this is not important and and that made it hard for me to care about my work or find any sort of meaning in it because right. it felt meaningless exactly and i think that sometimes we 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 kind of fail to see how the the work that we do no matter how mundane it is how much it connects us to god's bigger story yeah the things that he is at work with right right now which leads us to Maybe a question that we've posed is what is what does the Bible say about work? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great question, and it's maybe something that people aren't used to thinking through. But mm-hmm. but a, as as with sleep, like the Bible actually yeah. talks a lot about work and its purpose and God's intention behind it. And if we can frame our work, whether it's at a church or whether it's at a fast food restaurant mm-hmm. or whether it's being a janitor, uh, if we can frame it in terms of what Scripture says, I think we'll start to see the value in all of our vocations, mm. and and we'll get to that word a little bit later. Yes. But we'll start to see the value in everything that we do, as opposed to just sort of finding it purposeless right. and meaningless. So right. um, maybe the the best place to begin again is in the beginning. Yes. So if we look at Genesis two verses fifteen through seventeen, I'll go ahead and read it for yeah, us. Yeah, go for it. It says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it you shall surely die. So here we see in Genesis that work is a pre-fall reality. It's a commandment to Adam Mm -hmm. as the Lord commands him 
here's the creation. Mm-hmm. Here, here's what I've created. Mm-hmm. It is your job to take care of it and maintain it. Right. So and this to is work in it. this is a reality for Adam. It's R- an instruction. Right. And 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 I think that that can help us a little bit because. Um, we always think of our jobs as like a curse or as a burden. Yeah. You know, we're, we're working towards retirement, right? The day that we don't have to work anymore because for us, work feels not like a good thing, but like a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And yet what, what we see in Genesis 2, the, the passage you just read, Mickey, is that work was a reality before the fall. Right. Before death enters the world, before sin corrupts creation. Mm-hmm. Work is a reality that human beings were created to work. And it was good. And it was a good thing. Yep. Yeah. And and that should, I think, keep us from being lazy, right? It should keep us from viewing work as some sort of a a burden or a curse. And obviously, different jobs are more difficult, and we'll get to some of the frustrations of work. But at the beginning, what the Bible says is that work is a good thing and that we were created to work. And that kind of fits with some of the science that we've... Uncovered as we've been doing some research on yes. this. Yes. Why don't you tell our listeners about the article that we read in Forbes, was it? Yeah. Forbes so, Magazine? so I was reading this article in Forbes and and it was a, a lady who's writing about a friend of hers who had gone almost a year without a job and had ended mm. up on antidepressants mm. as a result of the, the the grief and the shame of being jobless. Yeah. And and it wasn't for lack of trying. She was genuinely trying to find a job and she just she just couldn't couldn't find anything. It is so hard. It, it can be really really difficult, yeah. especially when you transition out of one job with a, a certain pay what? pay grade right, and, and expertise. Right. Yeah. It's it's so difficult. And and so one of the things that she said is she quoted this Gallup poll that was so interesting um, that rates of depression actually double between those who've mm. been jobless for five weeks and those who've been jobless for a year. Wow. It's almost as if the longer we go without working, the harder it is on us personally. And right. This is a quote directly from the article. She says, the longer Americans are unemployed, the more likely they are to report signs of poor psychological well-being. Mm. Really, it, it does make sense in light of what scripture says, that yeah. God has created us to work. Right. I was going to say, it's almost like it's integrated into our humanity, mm-hmm. the need to work, the need to participate in something that's bigger than ourselves. Right. Yeah. It's it's a part of what it means to be human. It's a right. part of what it means to be made in God's image, right? Because God works throughout Genesis 1 to create the world and order mm-hmm. the world and structure the world. And so being in his image, we're, we're image we're bearers to. that work in the creation right. that God has made. Exactly. As he is created. Right. Yeah. So, so I think that's maybe the first thing we want to say biblically about work is that it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's part of what it means to be in the image of God is to work. And it's essential even psychologically yep. to our well-being and, and our emotional stability. But I think there's probably more we could say about work because the Bible goes on even in the next chapter to, to right. give some warnings about what has happened to work because of sin. Yes. Well, much like sleep, as mm-hmm. we talked about in our previous Theology of segment, the sleep has become cursed, mm-hmm. right? It can be something that is distracting. It's insufficient when we, you know. Don't get a good night's sleep. Exactly. Yeah. And so much like sleep, work can also become a cursed thing. Mm-hmm. And so we see in Genesis 3, verses 17 through 19, and it says, And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. 
Yeah. So Ooh. that yeah, that's that's bleak, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Um, and, and this comes in the portion of scripture where God is pronouncing curses on mm. Adam and on Eve and on the serpent for their yep. role in introducing sin into creation. Right. And this is, I think, important because we've talked a lot about the goodness of work in the first 10 minutes of this episode and talked about how we were created to work and and it's a good thing. But anybody who's held a job for more than like two weeks mm-hmm. realizes that there are elements of work that are frustrating. Sure. Or, or anybody who's just held a job and felt like the only reason they have it is to be able to make ends meet sure. knows that there's frustration there. Of course. Um, and, and Genesis 3 gives us a little bit of an idea of why. That like everything else, like sleep, like food, right. uh, even like human relationships, everything has been cursed by sin. That's right. And, and so what you see in God's pronouncement to Adam is that work itself was cursed. And and now, rather than being fulfilling and being something that is productive and fruitful, work is not totally corrupted, but mm-hmm. there are elements of work that are frustrating. Yes, and I think that the Lord has laid these things out so that work doesn't ever become an idol, mm, yeah, right? Maybe, maybe for some of us who have the potential to idolize our jobs, because yeah. it's very easy. I think it's a very fine line to feel fulfillment mm-hmm. from a job and then making it an idol, right? and vice versa, not being content at all mm-hmm. and not being fulfilled at all by a job. So I think there's two sides of the coin right. in which work becomes a, a dangerous thing. Yeah, I think that's so good. Like how many how many movies have as their plot line the workaholic dad yeah. who's more wrapped up in his work than he is his family. And mm-hmm. and those plot lines come from real life. Sure. That yeah. there are people who love their jobs but love their jobs so much that they expect their jobs to deliver ultimate happiness. Right. When Genesis 3 tells us that work work has been cursed, it can never fully satisfy us, mm-hmm. that there are going to be elements of it that are toil and that are frustrating. Yeah. And while it, it's not totally destroyed by sin, it is corrupted. And so I think Genesis 2 and Genesis 3 kind of help us balance our right. view of work, that laziness is not in God's design because right. we were created for work. And yet... Work is not the ultimate end of human beings. It can never fully satisfy us. Only the Lord can do that. Right. And and laziness is not part of God's creation. Right. And neither is pride, I think. And I think since we're talking about Genesis, I even think of Cain and Abel, Mm, how they were in charge of providing a sacrifice for the Lord and they were to bring their best to the Lord. Mm Mm-hmm. And the Lord delighted in Abel's offering because he humbly offered his sacrifice right. and the gift to the Lord. Well, Cain was prideful in the work that he did. Mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty ironic that we, we were talking last night about how Cain delivers the fruit of the of the ground. Right, the same thing that God cursed. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's, you know, it's not lost on us that that indicates that Cain put forth the work, but in vain and pride. And that that's not pleasing to the Lord either. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we, I, I think we have to kind of thread a needle when we talk about the, the biblical view of work in, in the sense that on one hand, we want to say it's a good thing that God has given us for our joy and, and to serve other people. Mm-hmm. And yet on the other hand, we want to say work is not an ultimate thing, but it's been corrupted by sin, just like everything else. Right. So Travis, do you know who had actually a lot to say about work? Why don't you enlighten me? So it was actually Martin Luther. Mm, that's he true. He had yeah. he had a lot to say about the theology of vocation. Mm-hmm. Now we are not Lutherans. No, ma'am. However, we believe in the wisdom of 
strong Christians in other denominations and Luther as the great reformer. Right. He's yeah. he's the king of reformers. He's the king of reformers. Right. So he actually had a lot to say about theology of vocation and how we as believers should incorporate that into the work that we do between us and other believers and, and our neighbors and serving them. And yeah. how it's integrated. And it should be integrated. Yeah, perhaps. absolutely. I mean, Luther's big insight is is justification by faith, mm. right? That we are justified before God because of our faith in the work of Jesus. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. And and he basically applies that to work. And he says, yes. does God need our work? No. no. God doesn't need our work. We're justified by faith. But our neighbors do. And yes. so why does God ask us to work and, and and why are there commands like what Paul says in the New Testament, he who won't work won't eat. Right. Luther's answer is because your neighbors need your work. Mm-hmm. It, it adds nothing to your salvation, but it's an overflow of your salvation. Right. And what's been helpful for me as I think about work is the work that I do is not essential to my salvation, mm-hmm. right? Because we are justified by faith. Right. However, it should be inspired yes. by salvation. Yeah. Right? And we were just talking about this last night in my middle school group, actually. Oh, nice. We were talking about justification by faith okay. alone and how the work that we do is an overflow of what the Lord has done. Mm, yeah. And so the, the work that we do, no matter what it looks like, is an opportunity and a means for us to serve others. Yeah. Luther's treatment of the Lord's and the prayer. Lord. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um. Luther's treatment of the Lord's Prayer is is really, really helpful because he looks at that line, give us this day our daily bread, and then he, he runs through a hypothetical situation and says, what would it look like for God to answer this? Mm. Well, it would look like him sending rain on the crops, Yep. and it would look like him strengthening the hands of the farmer to right. harvest the wheat, and then it would look like him giving strength to the horse in the cart to carry the wheat to the baker, and then it would look like the baker having enough people to help him produce the loaf of bread, and then it would look like you getting paid so you have the money to buy the bread. So the way that God actually answers mm. that prayer, give us this day our daily bread, is through people faithfully doing their jobs. Right, through the works of many hands, many people's hands. I mean, a loaf of bread doesn't just pop into existence. Right. It takes work for this to happen. Right. So when the Lord is providing us our daily bread, mm-hmm. it was by the hands of many people, which kind of leads us to the mentality that the work that we do mm-hmm. truly connects us to other people, whether we recognize that or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's one of Luther's great insights. And I think that's just clear biblically because, you know, the prophets are constantly calling the people of Israel to seek justice in the way that they care for their workers mm. because work draws us into a network of humanity. That's right. And, and it unites us to other people just by purchasing something from someone. You, right. you are connected to the 15 different steps it took to produce that product. Exactly. The other thing that I think is really helpful is Luther's concept of vocation. Vocation. I feel like we've heard that word before mm-hmm. many times, but never really knowing What's the difference between a vocation and occupation? So I, I guess today, the way we use the term vocation, there isn't really a difference, right? We, no. you know, we go to vocational training or whatever, right? But, but historically, right. there was a difference. That's right. Yeah. So originally, was it Luther who first presented the idea of vocation as calling? Yeah. Right? In the, well, La- so, the Latin word. So it was. It was originally used to only apply to people who were serving in, in the ministry. Priesthood. Yeah, right. in ministry, because the word vocation comes from the the Latin phrase for calling. Calling. Right. And right. so the idea was the only sort of calling you could have from God is to serve in ministry. Nothing else is a calling in mm, that sense. Right. Luther changes things. He did. He kind of incorporated the idea that no matter what you do, whether it's secular or in ministry, you have a calling. 
Right. Whatever job that you hold in this moment, you are called to that. But I think also he meant for this mentality to not just be applied to the jobs that we do, like mm-hmm. jobs that we get paid for, right. but also the roles that we play. Yeah. So as a mother or a father, you have a vocation. Right. As a daughter or a son, you have a vocation. Right. As an aunt, an uncle, mm-hmm. a niece, a nephew, no matter what it is that you currently occupy as a role, that's a vocation. That's a calling. Right. You are called to be a parent. You are called to be a son or daughter. Mm-hmm. You are called to be an aunt, an uncle, aunt. godfather, right. friend. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. These are things that we are called to do because they have been ordained by God. Yeah. And so he t- he took that phrase out of the monastery mm-hmm. and he applied it to your average Christian. And he said that that whenever we work faithfully in service of the Lord, we're fulfilling a vocation, not just when you become a priest, not just when you become a missionary, right. not just when you start getting a paycheck from a church, but serving others through your work, whether you're a bread maker mm-hmm. or whether you're a basket weaver or whether you're just a stay-at-home, stay-at-home mom. mom. Yeah, right. that is a holy vocation. Exactly. Even if you don't actually currently hold a job, which we know so many people who struggle with finding one. Yeah. You still have a vocation. You fill a role. That's such a that's such a gift that that Luther gives us theologically to mm-hmm. to be able to see even when we don't have a job, even when we're in between jobs, we still have a calling. We're still called to be a son or a daughter or a husband or a wife or a brother or a sister. Yes, and I like what you said about that being a gift from God mm-hmm. because like again, like how we previously talked about in our episode of sleep Sleep is a gift from God, but also he he is gifting us through sleep as yes. well. And so with the work that we do, the sal- our salvation plays out in the work that we do because we we have been given that as a gift from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I like this this quote from Jean Van Van Veith. Van Veith. Yeah, yes. he's a he's a Lutheran. He's this a is Lutheran. where we got a lot of this from. Yeah. Yes, he said in his book, "Knowing that we are justified by grace through faith in Christ enables us to see our work not as an idol, but as a gift." Mm, and yeah. I think that it's important here to pray that our hearts are always pointed to the Lord. Mm. We should be doing that anyway, sure. right? Regardless of work or in our lives, but especially when we think about work. We need to be praying for the direction of our hearts to be inclined toward God, mm. just being thankful for the gift that he has given us through work, but mm. also being mindful of the ways that we can serve others through the work that he's given us as yeah. a gift. So it's really living out our salvation. Yeah, absolutely. So this kind of brings us to the the boots on the ground moment where you say, okay, so what does all of this look like practically? Mm. What, what does it look like for us to take this biblical understanding of work and its relationship to our salvation and apply it? And so there's some things that we've said. We've said work is good and yet work is fallen. Mm-hmm. And then we've also said that through our work, God ties us into other people. And because, mm. because we've been redeemed and justified by grace, it's not God who needs our work, but our neighbors. Right. And so I think when we apply that, the, the first thing that we need to say is that we need to, we need to thank God for work as mm-hmm. a good gift. Right. And we, we need to seek to not be idle. Mm. At the same time, we need to not make an idol out of work, right. recognizing that it's fallen. And then as we kind of move into some more direct applications, when we talk about work connecting us with our neighbors and our neighbors needing our work, mm-hmm. we need to seek justice in the way that we work. And, and righteousness. And righteousness, yeah. That's right, yep. And and I think that an important thing to do is kind of evaluate who are the neighbors that God is inviting us to love and serve in mm. our current vocation. Yeah. Whether it's we're stay-at-home moms and, you know, there's 
playdates. There are people that you socialize with, with, you know, moms with other children or whether you work a secular job Mm -hmm. and you have meetings and and there are so many opportunities for us to interact with other people. And so I think an important thing to do is evaluate. So who are the neighbors that God is calling me to serve? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, And I think when we apply this mindset, maybe if we go all the way back to the worst jobs that both of us have ever had in the food industry. Mm-hmm. If if I had had this perspective, I'm not saying I would have absolutely loved my job working in a kitchen. And yet I think it would have become something that I saw as a, as a holy right. vocation more than just a way of me paying for like the Taco Bell that I wanted <laughs> to eat on the weekends, which is what it was essentially. Right. I think that it would have shaped more of my being intentional with people, right. seeing it as an opportunity to, to actually serve others. Right. Yeah. If we can apply this to our jobs, even if we don't love our jobs, mm-hmm. uh, we can see the way that our jobs enable us to love others Yes. and see the way that our jobs enable us to serve the people who bear God's image. That's right. And I think also for those of us who are in seasons of waiting Mm -hmm. and periods of time where we just can't seem to find something, um, which I know a lot of us are, I think that even in these moments, God is faithful Mm, and God is still gracious in the way that he gives us with the vocations. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, you're still a parent Mm -hmm. or you're still a husband or a wife or even just someone who volunteers at church, no matter what it is that you are doing, even if it's not bringing in money, there's still a vocation that you are called to live out. And so I think that even in the periods of of waiting and patience, um, the Lord is still at work. Right. There is still a vocation for those of us who are looking for jobs. And there's still work for you to do. That's right. Yeah. There's The work is never done in the kingdom of God. Amen to that. There's always something. Hey, so I would say that if you'd like to dive into this topic a little bit more and study the theology of work, maybe this is a, maybe this is a new thing that you've never even heard of. I w- we would really recommend the book Working for Friend and Neighbor by Gene Van Veef, who's a Lutheran scholar. It's like mm-hmm. 100 pages long. And he just goes through everything that Luther says about work and how it relates to scripture. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yes. There's also a series that we watched one episode from called For the Life of the World that is just a really interesting study of faith and culture. But there's a whole episode in this series on the relationship between faith and work that is fantastic. That's right. And then finally, there's a book called Work Matters by Thomas Nelson that we've used as well that does Mm -hmm. a great job of laying out the biblical foundations of work's goodness, work's fallenness, and how we as Christians can engage in our work with uh, a sense of purpose and meaningfulness. And so uh, we're so thankful that you joined us for this episode and spent some time just thinking through the theology of work with us. And we would be interested in hearing your feedback and what you found helpful. We want to provide resources for our listeners. And so if you have any questions or want to check out any of these books or have further questions about the topic, you can email us at thestonetable at baylife.org and we would be happy to... Point you in the right direction. That's right. We've got so many resources that we we find helpful in all the topics that we explore. Um, And we see that as part of our job to make sure that we provide reliable resources for our listeners. Yeah. And and the last thing I would say is if you found this episode helpful, or if you find this podcast helpful, do us a favor and leave us a nice review and tell your friends about us. That (laughs) really does help. It, It kind of boosts the show in the iTunes or that in the Apple in the podcast store mm-hmm. so that people can see it more people can hear about it we're still a new podcast and so every nice review is really helpful to us yeah. uh, so with all that being said thanks for joining us for Baylife Church I'm Travis and I'm Mickey and this is the Stone Table
lives as Christians. Are you? Do you have something in your throat? Your voice went real hoarse. I know. <laughs> uh, we can give a second. You want to clear? Um, <clears throat> that can be the funny part. Yeah. <laughs>